You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York. A community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. God gave me a word for you today. So if you got a journal, if you got a phone, take it seriously. This is a word that God has given your pastor for you, and it is going to be different for everybody. But I promise you, there's a word for you today. Today is baptism of our Lord Sunday, the day we celebrate Jesus getting baptized. You ready? In the Holy Spirit. When Jesus got baptized, the Holy Spirit descended on him and filled him with faith and gifts and power and prophecy every time it says that Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them. It was because the Spirit was active in Jesus' life. Jesus walked around in a Pentecostal ministry. He was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit because he got baptized in the Holy Spirit in the Jordan. So listen. Israel took a walk, started in Egypt, and it went to the Promised Land. And I want to talk about that walk first. It started in Egypt. And I feel like there's somebody here, in the silence of that moment, I feel like there are people here There's a lot of ways to preach about Egypt. For all you biblical scholars in the room, I'm going to break theological rules today and give a word for Salem. Is that okay? So if you want to fact check me, knock yourself out, I don't care. I have a word for you that is right for us. There are some people in this room where, like in Egypt, you feel that the problems you are facing are because of oppressive people. Israel wanted out of Egypt because in Egypt they were slaves. And there are some of you here who, like Israel, think, if I can just get around the right people and away from the wrong people, my life will get better. If I could just get out of this and into something else, or maybe you're not in a relationship and you feel like if I could just get into a relationship... Things will get better. If I can just get the right people in my life, things will get better. And there are self-help books out there who will tell you, surround yourself with the kinds of people you want to be. Apparently, Jesus only wanted to be with miserable sinners and prostitutes. Because if that's true, I guess Jesus wanted to be one of those. That's not the gospel. The gospel is get around the worst and infect them with the gospel. There are some people in this room who, like in Egypt, people are the problem. And if I could just get out of the people, if the people would just change. Sometimes it's not, sometimes you're not here saying you want to get away from these people. Sometimes you're saying if these people would just change, then my life would get better. If they would just stop being the way that they're being, then my life would get better. So they go through the Red Sea. And God, and I want you to remember this point, God destroys their enemies. They go into the wilderness with no enemies. Their enemies are destroyed and drowned in the Red Sea. We got away from the people. And then something else starts in the wilderness. We're thirsty. We're hungry. Honestly, if we're going to die... Might as well have died in Egypt where it was more comfortable. So in Egypt, if the people would just change, 
or if God would just get me out of, or out of this relationship, or if God would just get me away from bad people, or if God would just get me in a community of good people, then things will be different. That's somebody in this room, but then what happens is God does that for you, and then you end up in a wilderness and say, ah, you know what though, but now if the circumstances would change, then things would get better. And all of a sudden, the first thing that you hope for isn't enough. Now it's something else. Now if we just had water, if we just had meat to eat. Now, okay, so now we've been eating manna. Thank you. That's really great. But now if we could have something that tastes good, please, then I would really enjoy myself. First, it's if there's people in my life, if they would just change, my life would get better. If God would bring better people into my life, my life would get better. If God would just take me away from broken people, then my life would get better. And God does that and sends them into the wilderness. And then they say, you know what, though? Now it's just us. Think Adam and Eve. (laughs) If they can't be satisfied, who can be? It's just the two of them. In Eden, I've heard people say, I just got to move to a warmer climate. I just got to move someplace. I just got to get a new job. Adam and Eve had all of those things, and they managed to turn the cosmos upside down and get into a fight. And so they get into the wilderness, and they say, now we have the presence of God in a tent, and he shows up for us in a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke, and he's actually prophesying to us, and we actually have a law, and we actually have a way to live, and guess what? It's not good enough. If we could just get out of the wilderness, then everything will be better. And so God takes them through the Jordan. And they go into the promised land. And then the book of Judges starts. And then we have sweeping historical narratives. First and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. And all of a sudden we lead to the prophets. And what are the prophets doing? They're saying, Israel, you're in exile. And you've exiled other people. You've become the Egyptians that you hated. You're pushing people out. You're enslaving people. You're worshiping their gods. You're filling the temple of God with all the artifacts of all these other faiths and religions. You've turned the promised land into Egypt, but it's worse because you're not only the slaves, now you're also the enslavers. But I just thought if I could get with some good people and get into better circumstances then my life would finally be better. And the Holy Spirit is saying, it turns out that the problem all along was my heart. It wasn't the Egyptians. Because if it was the Egyptians, the wilderness would have went better. And it wasn't the wilderness. Because if it was the wilderness, the promised land would have went better. There are people in this room where you are pining for something next. That is the word that God gave me. You are pining for something next or for something else. I just want to get out of Egypt. I just want to get out of the wilderness. And then things will be better. And what Israel does to the promised land is they turn it into the new Egypt. Watch this. Jesus comes. They call Jesus the last Adam because he is humanity. 
And Jesus calls himself the temple because he's also Israel. So when Jesus shows up, he's both the perfect Israelite and the perfect human. Israel started in Egypt and went all the way to the promised land. Jesus started in the promised land, heaven. And when he's a baby, where do they send him? To Egypt. And they take him out of Egypt. And here's what Jesus does. He starts to walk Israel's path backwards. He goes to the Jordan. And he gets baptized in the Jordan. And then it says the spirit drove him into the wilderness. I want to talk about this because Jesus, we started here and said, if I could just get better people in my life or if the people around me can change, then it'll be better. And we go through the first body of water. And then, okay, now I'm in the wilderness. And if, if, my circum, if, I, if I get just a better job or some more money or some more health or some more whatever, then, then I'll be happy. And we go through the next body of water and we end up in the promised land and realize it's as bad as Egypt. So Jesus starts here and he says, let me, let me walk this backwards for you. And so he goes into the Jordan and he gets baptized in the Jordan. Why? John was saying, repent and be baptized in the Jordan. Why does Jesus get baptized in the Jordan? Jesus does not need to repent. Jesus is saying, Israel, when you crossed the Jordan thousand years ago, you forgot something. You forgot to repent. You went into the promised land, the same people that you were in Egypt and the same people that you were in the wilderness. You forgot something, so let me do this. Hear me. Let me touch the water so that I can transform the water so that when you get baptized and repent, the water can heal you. So he doesn't get baptized in the Jordan because he needs to repent. He gets baptized in the Jordan to change the water. God, his life, went into the Jordan to make it so that we can repent. Because we keep crossing the Jordan and we keep forgetting something. Then, in the Jordan, the Spirit drives him into the wilderness where he's tempted by the devil. He's walking backwards. Israel went from the wilderness to the Jordan to the promised land. Jesus went from the promised land into the Jordan into the wilderness. Why? Because Jesus needed to change a few things about the wilderness. They fell into idolatry, and Jesus said to Satan, you worship the Lord, and God only do you serve. And so he stands in the dry place. He stands in the place that doesn't seem like good circumstances. He stands in the place where most of us live most of our lives. And what he does is he transforms the mundane and the ordinary to be able to reveal to you the things of God. It's he stands there for you never to have to say, if I can just get into better circumstances, my life will change. Because Jesus descends into the place where you're tired and you're hungry and you're thirsty and he validates it with his presence. So if you're there right now in your life, you are in the presence of God. It really can't get much better than that. It is the truth. He doesn't worship in a tabernacle. He stands in the wilderness as the tabernacle. As the pillar of fire. As the cloud. Filled with the Holy Spirit. To be in the wilderness and transform it for us. But he doesn't stop there. He takes another step. 
and he goes to the cross, which is symbolic of the Red Sea. But what happens differently is astounding. Jesus has now made it back to the Red Sea, but who are the only people at the bottom of the Red Sea now? Pharaoh. Why does Jesus go to the cross? Ephesians, while we were enemies, Jesus went to the cross to reach down to the bottom of the Red Sea and say, Pharaoh, it's time. Oppressors, it's time. Enslavers, it's time. I'm here for you. I'm here to give you CPR. I'm here to pull you up out of the water. My enemies, maybe this is why. When Jesus dies on the cross, the closest thing to an Egyptian taskmaster, which is a Roman centurion, all of a sudden comes up out of the water and says, whoa, you are the son of God. The first one to confess was a direct enemy because Jesus goes to the cross to save his enemies, which means if we don't admit that we're an enemy, we miss salvation. And he comes out of the cross and he's back in the world again he's back in Egypt but he's in Egypt very differently he's not delivered out of Egypt he now says to us I've made it so that you can be delivered into Egypt so watch what happens now he walks this walk backwards for us so that we can start again in Egypt but go there and be there for very different reasons. We now enter Egypt for the people who are there that need to be better. We now enter Egypt to bring the promised land to the people who don't have it. We now are members of the promised land, entering Egypt, not saying I need to get away from these broken people, but thank you that I'm here because it's my job to bring the Holy Spirit and the power of God into the lives of people who otherwise don't even know that that is even available for them. If we spend all of our time at the top saying, get me out of here, who gets saved? Nobody. He doesn't deliver you from Egypt anymore. He delivers you into it for Egypt. Then we go to the cross and we go through the Red Sea no longer to destroy our enemies but to serve them, to turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile. You're making me carry your bags one mile. Here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to carry them seven. <laughs> There are people who want to oppress you. There are people who speak down to you. And you know one way you can destroy an oppressor? Somebody says, I'm going to manipulate you. You carry that suitcase one mile. I'm going to show you I'm free. Not by saying I'm not going to carry your suitcase, but by carrying it more than you told me to. That's what being more than a conqueror is. We said this to the men yesterday. A conqueror is somebody who wins precisely because other people had to lose for you to win. The Tennessee Titans are conquerors. They won because Baltimore lost. More than a conqueror is when you win, and your winning is never at the expense of somebody else not winning, but your winning is winning because other people around you won. I haven't seen a Super Bowl where everybody wins. You know, you know where everybody wins? T-ball. It's annoying, 
But something tells me the kingdom of heaven is going to be a lot more like T-ball than the Super Bowl. I lost. Why do I have a trophy? Because you're my son in whom I am well pleased. I got beat 15-0 in T-ball. Why do I have a trophy? It had nothing to do with T-ball. Because you're you, that's why I gave you a trophy. Now we can go into the wilderness. Not saying, if I just had a better, if I just had a better, if I just had a different, if this just changed a little. But we can go into the wilderness saying, God, you have put your spirit in me to now be streams in the desert for somebody else. Just get me into something better. Just get me out of something bad. What if God has positioned you in something bad so that your circumstances don't change from the outside, but like we said a few weeks ago, you change the prison from the inside so it's no longer a prison. It's not just about you getting out of prison. It's about the prison becoming a garden. And that's why you're there. You're in that rough spot, not to beg God to get you out of it. Your breakthrough is not getting out of the bad circumstance. It's realizing God has positioned you there to transform it from the inside out and everybody else in it. Oh, we spend so much of our Christian life, God, just get me out. Make a way. You know what? He does make a way. And you want to know why? He makes a way where there is no way. And you want to know why there is no way? Because there's no way that we would agree with that goes into the bad circumstance. When he makes a way, he makes a way into the fight. Into Egypt. Into the wilderness. Into the cross. Into the tomb. We always think the way is out. It's always in. Thy kingdom not go. The way is always into what is wrong. That's why we say, God, make a way where there is no way. Well, why is there no way? Because I don't want there to be a way. Into it. Because you have the power in the spirit that is in you to change from the inside out every person, place, and thing that is involved in your life right now. And the world doesn't need Christians saying, deliver me from these people. It needs Christians saying, deliver me to them, for them, so I could trample down death by death, just like Jesus did. Now we go to the Jordan to be baptized, and there is going to be a sign-up for baptism because on Easter Eve, if you want to be baptized, we want to baptize you. Why do we go to the waters of baptism now? To identify with the mud and brokenness of the world as the church. We go to baptism Not to walk around like, look how clean I am now, because that's always true. You should have seen the way I ate at Buffalo Wild Wings last night. I need to get baptized again. Right, Rich? He was with me, enabling me to eat too much. I would drown if I went in there right now. I get a cramp, because you're not supposed to swim after you. We go to baptism now. So when we come up out of the waters of baptism, we're in Christ. And in Christ is the Holy Spirit. 
When you get baptized, you get baptized into Jesus, who is also the bearer of the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. We've made too much complication out of this. When you get baptized in water, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. doesn't necessarily mean the power of the Holy Spirit has fallen on you yet, because the Spirit moves in distinct ways at different times and different people for different reasons. No need to overcomplicate this. If you're in Christ, you are in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How that interacts with you over time is going to be different for so many of us. But here's what we know. People of the Spirit are people who repent and who love differently than they ever have before. Some of us will speak in tongues. We need it. Some of us will prophesy. We need it. But all of us have to love. Not some of us. And what do we become? We become people who bear the fruit of the Spirit. For witness, what is the reason why Jesus said, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit? To be my witnesses. We've turned it into a game of who can put on the better spiritual show in their gifts. When it's always been about You're in a bad relationship, be my witness. You're at a bad job, be my witness. Your finances are rough, be my witness. You don't have health in your bones, be my witness. Be my witness in it, be my witness as I'm delivering you from it, be my witness when you're successful, but whatever you're in, wherever you are, be my witness. We're here to not forget the least of these because Jesus didn't forget you and he didn't forget me. I was in the new Egypt I created for myself. I was in the muck of the dirty waters of baptism, unable to repent even if I wanted to because I didn't have the power to do it. I was in the hungry, thirsty, dry wilderness. I was at the bottom of the Red Sea, and I was a slave to myself. And he went into every one of those places and didn't take me out of them. He changed me in them. You don't need better people in your life. You need the Holy Spirit to be on you. You don't need a better job or more money. You need the Holy Spirit to be on you. You don't need, some of you, uh, when, we, when we had this prophecy for the children today, I felt this pang of sorrow because I felt like there were some people in the room who were saying, it's too late for me now. I wish somebody would have said this 25 years ago. How many of you have written down precious promises for your children and your children are now older? You have journals filled with stuff that people said. And now your kids are older. And when they were young, you combed, you prayed, you poured over that journal. But now that it seems like it hasn't worked, that journal's been closed for a while. Let me tell you something. Now is the time to open that journal more than when they were young because now is when it counts. Now is when it matters. Now the Holy Spirit is doing something. And I'm going out on a limb, but I'm telling you this as your pastor. So take it seriously. This is spiritual covering. This is spiritual authority. God wants to restore people in your family that are not walking with him this year. He's going to. He wants you to be a part of it. You might have to be delivered into their Egypt. You may have to be delivered into their Red Sea. You may have to be delivered into their wilderness. But you're going there not to pull them out of stuff, but to change the world and atmosphere around them. I want you to be so naive with hope that people around you say, I don't think you're being wise. You're hoping too much. Be naive. We talked about this. 
Jesus, who knew that Israel would betray him, wept and said, I wish you didn't betray me. If the God who knew they would still was hoping they wouldn't, you could call Jesus the most naive person ever to walk the face of the earth. Hold out hope until you're dead, until you can't breathe anymore. And then when you're with Christ, you'll have more hope than you ever tried to muster up now anyhow. But hope against hope. Let's stand to our feet. Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.